What's up, babes? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Bailey Johnson from the Washington Post. How are you doing, Bailey? I'm good, Adam. Thanks for having me, and happy birthday. Thank you, and uh, welcome to the beat. You know, it's uh must be exciting. You know, you you got out of Columbus and and are and are now in D.C. Yeah, it is exciting. I've been here as I sit here ten days, so definitely still very much getting my feet under me. I finally unpacked my last boxes yesterday, so a lot of change, but it's all super exciting, and I'm really happy to be here. That's really good, though. You already have all your boxes done in 10 days because I'm looking around my office right now and I've still got boxes from like two and a half years ago. So kudos to you. <laughs> it's a one bedroom apartment. There's not that much space for there to be random stuff floating around. I, it was pretty minimal when I moved in. All right. Well, fair enough. Now, you know, you're coming from Columbus and, I've, you know, you were doing a lot with the Columbus crew. I actually got a chance. Um, I had my cousin's fiance's bachelor party we went to a columbus crew game actually just a few weeks ago so that's a nice stadium a nice area passionate fan base i mean how did you feel kind of fall uh, covering soccer for you said about a year yeah i loved it i wish you could see the look on my face when you just said you were at a crew game what game was it do you remember who they it, were playing it was the uh, orlando game oh yeah that was a fun one yeah um, a, a, a tale of two halves <laughs> A textbook Columbus crew game where they were up two nothing at halftime and then blew it in the second half. No, I really, I didn't have a huge soccer background at all before I started covering that team. Um, I was covering high school sports in Columbus for a little over two years or no, a little more than a year and a half. And then the writer who had been covering the crew left the newspaper and I stepped into that beat um, at the end of last August. So I did it for about 10 months before coming here and I loved it. I really fell in love with soccer, fell in love with the craziness of MLS, which I will not bore you with, but it's a wild league with some really strange rules. And yeah, I had a really great time doing that. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I, I, I'd say over the last like five years, I've watched a lot more soccer now than I used to. And um, but most of what I watch is European soccer, usually the Premier League. And I every time I try, like, try to get into the MLS, I try to understand like their transfer rules. And they are just so complicated compared to I mean, it feels like in Europe they basically can just spend what they what they want. Yeah, there's some financial fair play regulations, but you know, the Americanized soccer is very different from what we see in Europe. Oh, so. oh yeah, it's crazy. When I came in, because I'm so used to like covering the Blue Jackets, you know, Cap Friendly was the website I was on every day, and like knowing every single detail of everybody's salaries and contracts and everything. And then I came to MLS, and like you don't even necessarily know how long players are signed for because it's a rule now in MLS that they have to say how long the contract is when someone is signed. But there are still enough guys who have been in the league long enough that, like, they're still on a contract that they signed before that became a rule. So there were literally players on the team that I covered, and I would just have absolutely no idea how long they were going to be there. <laughs> I guess it uh, keeps keeps on your toes, huh? <laughs> it definitely does. Like, they would announce they picked up an option on someone, and I'd be like, oh, I didn't know they had that option. Good to know. Yeah, it's 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 a different it's a different beast for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I really enjoyed going to that game because, I mean, one, I probably hadn't been to an MLS game since Wayne Rooney had played for DC United. Um, so it was great to see. I mean, that, that place was packed. It was like a full house. Um, you know, just, just, I mean, the fans were pretty nuts. I mean, I, I really enjoyed going to the, that Columbus game and, uh, you know, you're kind of going from that passionate fan base to now the Capitals, another like passionate fan base, um, with, with a lot of, I would, I would say recent success, but I guess the Capitals haven't won a playoff series since 2018. Um, you know, you said you covered the Blue Jackets before, so how do you feel making that jump from soccer to hockey? Hockey is sort of what my background is and what I've always wanted to do, so I'm super excited to be doing it full-time. I'll definitely miss the soccer world, for, and I think I'll get to keep my toe in that water a little bit here, which I'm excited about, but now I'm super, super excited to be back in hockey full-time. Um, I started out in journalism covering the Michigan hockey team when I was a student there. Um, and actually the first time I really got into hockey was the Caps um, Stanley Cup run because I had just started at our student newspaper at Michigan then. And a bunch of my friends were from the DC area and were Caps fans and were watching that series, you know, in the newsroom and getting me into it. And that was like how I got into hockey. So when I started covering the team at Michigan after that, then when I moved to Columbus for covering the Blue Jackets. So the Caps go way back for me with hockey. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great full circle. Um, you know, so you've been on the job for only like 10 days. So again, don't want to, don't want to grill you too hard. I mean, what were your, kind of your first impressions of, of like what's going on with the Capitals? I mean, you got a, you got a lot of change this year. I mean, the Bears are in a, a deep Calder Cup run. Caps have a few prospects there. And there's going to have a new head coach this upcoming season. What are your kind of first thoughts on the current state of the organization? Yeah, I think it's a super fascinating time. Because like you said, new head coach, the prospects down in Hershey are, you know, going to make a push like Connor McMichael and those guys to be full-time NHLers. But then there's also obviously, you know, the Ovechkin, the Backstrom, the Oshie, the Tom Wilson, the veteran core that they have. And they're, in my view, kind of trying to bridge the gap between supporting their veteran core and obviously helping Ovi with his chase for Gretzky's record and all those things that we can get into while knowing that they need to get younger, they need to get faster. And, you know, they can't just keep rolling out one of the oldest lineups in the league forever and hope that it keeps working. <laughs> um, so, and it, that's, it's a really hard, like it's the hardest thing to do. I think in the NHL is try to bridge that gap and try to sort of retool on the fly or whatever phrase you want to use to describe it. So, and with a new young head coach coming in, I'm super fascinated to see sort of how the season starts to shake out. Yeah. I'd say those have kind of been the, the biggest themes for the Capitals over the last few years, right? It's been um, Ovechkin's chase. It's how do you stay competitive with an aging, uh, like often injured core, right? Mm -hmm. Backstrom has missed a ton of games. Uh, Wilson is one of the younger players kind of in that, in, in that core, just because the core is so old. Um, exactly. It's been hurt a lot. And then you get, you know, uh, you know, it's Backstrom, Wilson, and Oshie really are the, are the three guys that I feel like have all had injury problems recently. Um, and Carlson as well, actually. So really, really the Capitals are really feeling that age. Uh, and this is a team that, you know, prior to when they won the cup, I mean, was blessed with great health for, for a bunch of seasons. So um, I, I think they are going to have a tough time kind of cycling in that youth. And I know that was a big problem under Laviolette. Yeah, I'm thinking that Carberry will be, you know, that's kind of the, the goal of hiring him, obviously with his background coaching and Hershey and everything is his trust in the young players, his experience working with them. Um, so I would certainly expect him to work them in more than like you said, Laviolette did, but it is really going to be fascinating to see how they try to make it all work. What what are you kind of most excited to see this year? I mean, is it the chase? Is it Ovechkin's chase? Can he get, you know, or, or is he going to be able to, in the next two years, I think is kind of what he's on pace for, catch up to Gretzky? Or, or do you think, you know, what, what do you think the organization is going to be focused the most on? 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because last year, obviously, so much of it was about the chase because he had so many people that he was passing and he hit 800 and there were all these milestones of last year. And this year, while obviously it's going to be super top of mind, he's not, he's only going to make progress, but he's not going to pass anybody. He's not going to reach it this year unless he yep. scored 73 goals, which would be insane. So it is like, it will be something that's sort of both always top of mind and kind of, I don't want, it's not irrelevant, but that's the word that's coming to mind to use because like, it's just sort of a year where he's not like, it's just going to, he's going to make progress and he'll get closer to it, but nothing with it will really quote unquote happen. So that's going to be interesting. I think to sort of see like really in my coverage, how that kind of balances out with like, obviously it's something that everyone's curious about and everybody's talking about, but with also the fact that there's not really going to be any news with the chase this year, but I do think he's going to get there. Yeah. I think he's going to get there too, but I am, I am a little concerned. I thought he slowed down a good bit after, you know, he had that amazing December last year. Um, I mean, really, I mean, he, I mean, he was lights out. I mean, the whole team was great until the end of December last year, then kind of fell off the deep end pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, again, age kind of made people think, Hey, maybe they're not just, you know, the team, but Ovechkin's also getting a lot older. Um, So I'm going to kind of pivot back here talking about the youth and getting guys like McMichael into the lineup space has to be made. And, you know, two guys that the Capitals might be looking at moving on from are Evgeny Kuznetsov and Anthony Mantha. I mean, again, this, I know you haven't been on the job very long. What are you hearing about potential movements of the Capitals kind of existing players? Hearing absolutely nothing. I'll be straight up and say that. Um, (laughs) It's, I just started last Monday. So those connections are not a ways away, but you know, something like the draft coming up will be a good opportunity to hear some things going on around that. Um, At this point hearing absolutely nothing. I would say sort of my personal theory, and this is totally just based on other things that I've read and sort of the general consensus is my gut feeling is that they will trade Kuznetsov, but Mantha, they might see if in a contract year and under a new head coach, they can get more out of would be sort of where I come down on that. But my feeling on that kind of changes day to day, depending on, what I'm seeing reported and what's going on. <laughs> you know, they're, they're two interesting players, both kind of have that enigma persona. Uh, Kuznetsov obviously was a key piece in that Stanley Cup run uh, in 2018. I, I mean, and he did put up decent point totals last year, but just was certainly not this the player that, that he's capable of being. Uh, so a change of scenery might be good for, for a guy like him. Um, you know, you always worry about trades like that because it's hard to come out the winner. Uh, the Capitals obviously gave up a lot to get Mantha a few years ago, giving up Jacob Rana and a first-round pick. Um, yeah, that there was, I think, panic was also part of that deal as well. So there was a bit of a salary dump. But how how do you think the Capitals could come out ahead on trades like that? How how do you offload those kind of salaries um, and that kind of talent without coming out worse off on the other end? Yeah, it's hard, right? That's kind of what everybody's trying to do and what every GM is hoping to do. You always obviously want to win the trade, but. I also think in a situation where it's pretty well known that, you know, there was the report that he wanted to be traded and whether that was a hundred percent true or not is kind of up in the air. But when it's certainly known that that's a player they would perhaps like to move on from and a player that might be unhappy here in Washington, it makes it very, very hard to win that kind of trade. Cause you're already up against, like you said, the salary and the factors that make that kind of trade hard to win just in a vacuum. And then knowing that, you know, he's someone they would potentially be looking to move on from and someone that might be unhappy here makes it even harder um, I mean, I think, you know, getting maybe a young roster player or two, um, or draft capital would be ways that would obviously be what they were looking, I would assume would be, they would be looking to do on that, given, as we've talked about trying to get younger on the roster and the prospect pool that has some interesting pieces, but isn't 
one of the stronger ones in the league and needs strengthening kind of throughout. Um, but it's a really hard trade to win, like you said. Yeah, it's been a. It feels like it's been a while since the Capitals have really had um, a, a great prospect pool. I mean, guys like Connor McMichael, uh, Hendricks Lapierre, I guess, are two guys that kind of have stood out. His, you know, in the draft class in terms of blue chip um, talent. But beyond that, I mean, they've, they've got a bunch of. I feel like of uh, middle six guys, maybe, but but not the same type of uh, ceiling that you'd hope for. And you know, you'd be giving up a guy if you know Kuznetsov's a guy with that skill ceiling, um, so it's it's tough to replace a guy like that. Speaking ahead, I mean, you already kind of mentioned the draft. You know, the Cavs. I imagine if they're going to move either of those two players, it'd probably be around the draft, right? Because that'd make the draft picks a lot more valuable. Um, are you hearing, or what? What do you think of the Caps are going to do in the draft? Do you see them moving the pick? Do you see them holding on to it? It seems like there's a chance that a, a really talented young Russian might might kind of fall to them, um, but he might not come over for a few years. So, not sure what you're thinking there. Yeah, that's a fascinating one for me. I do think they'll make the pick unless a deal that maybe packages something like Kuznetsov and the eighth pick to really move up in the draft. And that I'm totally speculating. I'm just thinking out loud here. I have not heard anything on that. I am just thinking out loud. To be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something like something where they package that pick and could move up pretty substantially certainly could be, you know, that would be an interesting potential option, but I would think it would be pretty surprised if that happened. It's such a deep draft inside yeah. the top 10, that I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement as far as teams moving their picks around there. Um, so that then turns to who they might pick at eight. And I think if Michkov is still on the board there, which it's hard to get a read on if he will be or not, I would say that the mock drafts that you read from people, you know, the media members and everything are much less, much more, I got myself twisted around here. They're much more willing to be risky. There we go. I got stuck on the phrase risk averse and couldn't work my way out of it. Um, <laughs> they're much more willing to take risks than a scout who or a GM who's making a pick and their neck is on the line for it. So my hunch and my guess would be that the mock drafts have Mitchkov going a little bit higher than he probably will in reality. Um, which again, could, as most of the ones that I see now have him going kind of between like five and seven, maybe not being there at eight, but I think if he is on the board at eight in reality in Nashville in nine days um it's a hard pick not to make given the skill that he has but like you said he's under contract i think through 2026 yeah. and at that point at eight you're not getting a player who's going to be an immediate impact in your lineup this coming season but waiting an additional two to three years versus just one more year is still a big gap especially for a team like the caps that wants to get younger and needs to inject some young skill into the lineup so it's hard not to pick Mitchkov if he's there, but there are are also a lot of other factors around that. He's also, I mean, he's by far the most dynamic player that could be available in that range. Yeah. I see, you know, like Adalbor Dvorsky is a player that gets mocked to the Caps a lot, and I like him fine, but he's kind of a safe pick. And I think at this point, it's hard to make a safe pick with like, you, you know, like a guy like Kuznetsov that could be moving on and trying to replace that sort of skill in whatever way that you can. Picking sort of a safe high floor, lower ceiling, two-way center is like, okay, cool. I'm sure he's a good player, but if you can get someone like Michkov, then that's a much a totally different calculus as far as what it will do for your lineup going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the Capitals need to start thinking ahead of, hey, look, like after Ovechkin uh, passes Gretzky, I mean, you know, God willing, they need someone who's going to be there, right? You're going to need some sort of dynamic talent. And it almost feels like Mitchkov might be a good enough player that you can really build around for the future. Um, granted, he wouldn't be able to help 
now, but you know, if, if the Capitals are being realistic with themselves, uh, you know, how much are any of these other guys in the first round really going to help now either? I mean, are we really talking about a difference of maybe one year? Um, you know, if Mitchkov comes over in two, you draft someone now. I mean, out of the top five, it's not super common, right, that those guys will jump right into the NHL. So I think it's it's definitely an interesting dynamic, and I mean I certainly hope that they would they would go for Mitchkov if they could, and you know I, I guess there are also I mean he probably would not come over, but I believe they're able to buy him out of that contract if they really want to, but I'm not even sure if Mitchkov would be interested in that. Yeah, it's been interesting to hear sort of the rumors and speculation around him because really nobody knows what he's thinking or what sort of his situation is. I know um, Elliot Friedman reported and then turned into a total game of telephone that. Um, <laughs> Mitrov's reps have been a little bit hard to set meetings with at the draft because everything I've heard suggests that he will be there in Nashville, which will be fascinating. And a lot of teams are scrambling to try to meet with him because they he couldn't come to the combine. A lot of teams pulled their scouts out of Russia and didn't have anybody there that could have met with him in person or seen him live. So a lot of teams want to meet with him in Nashville. And I guess Friedman reported that it's been a little bit challenging to sort of get a meeting nailed down and that maybe they're being a little bit selective with who they'll meet with which of course on Twitter turned into like Mafia Mitrov is trying to force his way to a specific team, which is not at all what Elliot Friedman said, but was sort of an interesting other layer to it that I think his, it sounds like his people are being pretty selective and just really considering the decisions they're making pretty strongly. Well, I'm totally fine with him forcing his way to the capitals. That's for sure. I think he, <laughs> I think he'd be a great fit. Um, you know, the capitals have certainly had a track record of, of, of picking uh, talented Russian players and, and having them become a real force in the NHL, whether that be, you know, Alexander Semin or Kuznetsov or obviously Ovechkin. Um, yeah, th- this will be the Capitals' highest draft pick since they drafted Jacob Vrana in 2000. Is that 13 or 14? I can't remember off the top of my head. And obviously it's not fair to expect you to remember either, but he, um, yeah, it, he, it is 13 or 14. And I keep getting it backwards because it was, it was either 13 and he was the 14th pick or 14 and he was the 13th pick. And it confuses me every time. I, all I remember, I think it was the Aaron Ekblad draft and he was, it was in Philadelphia. I was actually there. I if just was, can't remember, I just can't remember Ek- what year it was. If it was Ekblad, I think it was 14. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was 14. He, I think that that sounds, actually it must've been that. Cause I don't, it was not my first year out of college. It was my second draft out of college. So yes, I think that's right. But he, um, I, I certainly hope the Capitals again, get get another talented young player. And in that draft, the guy that they were most often uh, mocked with was William Nylander, who's obviously gone on to have a, a great career in Toronto. Um, you know, right after the Maple Leafs were eliminated, all of a sudden there are all these trade rumors saying that the Capitals are going to try to trade Tom Wilson for William Nylander. Um, it sounds like the Capitals have, have gone out and, and said, you know, under no circumstances, Tom Wilson moving. We consider him a key piece of this franchise. It kind of, are you hearing anything about Tom Wilson or, or in terms of a contract extension or how, how, what are the Capitals doing to make sure that Wilson stays long-term? Yeah. I mean, I've heard just the same things you have that Friedman kind of tried to poke around at whether or not they were going to trade Tom Wilson. Cause there are also some reports out of maybe LA that LA was kicking the tires on him. And I have no doubt that the LA Kings probably did call up someone at the caps and say, Hey, we'd like to trade for Tom Wilson. But it sounds like the answer they got was a very firm. No, like you said. So I know they are, I mean, just I know is in the sense of I have seen this reported elsewhere that they plan to extend him, but I haven't heard anything specifically on where that's at or any conversations that they've had around that. Yeah. So what are, what are you most excited for this year? Like, what are you most excited to see? I mean, what, what part of the challenge of, of being a beat reporter for the Caps are you most excited for? 
I mean, for me as a beat writer, I just love just being there every day and getting to know people. So that's why I'm super excited for like, it's an entirely new team for me. There's nobody, I guess Gabe Carlson in Hershey was in Columbus briefly when I was there. So that's the only player that I've ever crossed paths with in any way. So it's an entirely new group of people from the players to the front office to the coaching staff and everybody for me to get to know and tell their stories. So I'm excited about that. Um, excited, super excited for the draft. I am a draft and prospects nerd. So that's going to be super fun. It'll be my first time going to the draft. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I will be there. And yeah, it's really, there's like an unending number of stories that I'm excited about. And I'm trying to you know start pulling ideas together. And now that I'm a week into the job, I'm trying to feel like I know what's going on. But no, I'm just super excited to like stick my teeth into it and like start telling these stories and reporting on this team and get back into covering hockey full time. Yeah. When it came to kind of your coverage for Columbus and the crew, are you more of a story-based writer or more of like an analytics-based writer? Like what, what, what tends to appeal to you? I love stories. I love big features. I love narrative writing. Um, in Columbus, covering the crew, the fan base really preferred more like analytical analysis. Um, so I did a lot of that and really learned soccer in a way that I never thought I was going to. Um, and I certainly do like analytics when it comes to hockey. Like I'm a nerd for that kind of thing too. And I've done some data tracking projects and stuff back in the day when I was in college. So I kind of weave that in, but for me, it's always just a, really a storytelling tool and uh, something that adds greater context to the other point that I'm trying to make, but I'd love to write a big feature and we'll hopefully get to do a bunch of those this year. That's awesome. Um, Bailey, I don't have, like, obviously could, could talk all day. I'm like really curious to know more about like, how the, the stuff went with the crew. I find it fascinating that you kind of, you know, soccer's a really like, beautiful game and, and hockey, you know, they're, they're two sports that I've watched a bunch and I find them like remarkably similar in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously the, the pacing is a lot different, but the way that goals are scored, um, to me, there's a lot of similarities between the two sports. So um, I, I love both of them and I'm glad you do as well. And, uh, you know, do you have any, any other thoughts you want to kind of, or anything you want to say to our listeners kind of as you get started on the beat? No, I'm just super excited to get into it. Um, my DMs are open on Twitter um, and I'm always happy to take questions and talk to people there or my emails in my Twitter bio. So always happy to connect with people would love to connect with the fan base as I get started here and figure out what's important to you guys as I figure out what's important to me. Awesome. Do you mind uh, giving our listeners your Twitter handle? Oh yeah. It's um, Bailey A. Johnson underscore. And the plug I always make when I give my Twitter out on things like this is if you know somebody at Twitter who can help me get Bailey A. Johnson, no underscore, please let me know because that account it like someone has it and it hasn't tweeted in like a decade. And when it did tweet, it was all spam. So I've reported it a bunch of times and I'm trying to get it and I have been entirely unsuccessful. So if anybody can help me out, please do. All right, Bailey, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me.